Welcome to Fated, a podcast brought to you by Magella and Carly, two romanticy obsessed readers who believe that great books must include declarations of undying love and deep thrusts of desire. Diving into the spicy, smutty fantasy genre, we are here for both the rattling of stars and headboards, and our podcast starts with the worlds of SJM, but delves into other realms. Did we mention that washboard abs and wands of all kinds are welcome in this inclusive and magically charged space? No topic is off limits, and no one is forced to have only one favorite heroine. Welcome to Fated, where we are unabashedly and wholeheartedly hot and heavy for spicy fantasy fiction. It's time to sit down and smut up. Morning. Spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to Faded the Podcast. I'm Carly. And I'm Magella. And on today's episode, we are taking a deep dive into the second part of a five-part series that involves dragons and fire and magic and betrayal and despair and heartbreak and like the spiciest sexiest scenes I've ever read in a throne room throne room (laughs) on a throne um we are doing a deep dive into Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros um which is following fourth wing and um it's pretty big it's a very big book so we may have to split this up into two parts but before we dive into what happens, our favourite parts, the heartbreak, the twists, the turns. We're going to talk about what we're reading because, I mean, I'm interested, Carly, in what you're reading. And I'm sure our listeners clearly want to know what we're reading um, because they want to know if they've also read it. Okay, I've had a wonderful reading week. My children, who I don't think I've shared, I've got two boys, they're 9 and 11. They went away for nearly three whole days with their dad. And um, so I actually got uninterrupted three or four hours of reading on Saturday out underneath sort of our outdoor area with the big umbrella with the rain. There was beautiful rain all day Saturday and I was snuggled up with my books. I was like, oh, my God, this is magic. So I feel like I've had an absolutely luxurious reading week. Um, And in that time I got well into Air of Fire, part of the Throne of Glass series. And I was so excited because Rowan has entered the the room, the 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 woods, the place, the realm, and I and I know Magella is a huge fan of Rowan, so I'm very excited to meet him. Currently, you know, he's gruff and awful and horrible to to Salinas, but I, I know I know that obviously something is coming. So I got really well into done into that, and, I, and then I also read like a little like a really little light, fun, incredibly smutty romance novel as well um, called Hopeless by Elsie Silver. So that was fun. We call them a palate cleanser. I needed something light um, after finishing this behemoth and diving back into Air of Fire. So for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I actually read a book in three days. So Hopeless is done. Tick. What about you? What have you read since I last saw you? Um, a few. Um, just quickly though, is helpless? Does it have a blue cover? Uh, yeah, I feel like somehow aqua, like an aqua blue. Yeah, I feel like I've seen a few TikToks about it recently, and I don't because I'm not 
really into the romance. I have told Carly yeah. that I will. She's recommended a few just because, you know, uh, she really enjoys them and and I don't want to be dogmatic in my genre um, diving, but it, yeah. it's hard to move away from romantic currently. But I will I will try some romance. But I have seen, I feel like I, I we discussed yeah. that and suddenly on my TikTok there was these romance books popping up and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not quite ready. Just, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this, this, you know, this is like we've talked about, you know, skimming, like just sort of skimming to get to the such hot, smutty <clears throat> scenes in a bathroom where he actually shaves her and then like, you know, goes down on her and gives her an incredible, like you, you go, I skip to those scenes, Magella. I kind of, the storyline in those kind of books for me are just, <laughs> I just skim. So that was great. I had a, a very fun on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, well, I mean, we all do love a bathroom scene. Um, <laughs> I think there's a shower scene in this book that we're going to discuss. Oh, huh. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. what I have read, um, I, uh, you know, I try and pace myself because uh, I, I stopping a, a, I stopping highly functional in parts of my life if I am too into a book um so I I'm trying to take a break between them like a couple of days but I have read the duology by Rachel Gilbert um the one dark window and the two twisted crowns Gillig was excellent really Gillig yes Rachel Gillig it was really good and it's on the list Carly's list so that we can then do a deep dive into it because it is very cool. It's got a very unique magic system, which I really enjoyed. And I enjoyed the whole book so much and only realized after I finished the first one that there wasn't, that it was like one chili spice, like very, but it was a lot of tension and romance. Um, so I was surprised at how little I noticed the absence of it. Yeah. Um, and then I have also since then read the duology by carissa broadbent which again carly had already read so we will do a deep dive in that duology because i just couldn't get into it the first couple of times like it just didn't grab me i think similar to some of the books we've both read um you have to get through those first five chapters to sort of start getting a grip on the world and connecting to the character the main character um but once i did that it was all on. It was basically like 24 hours later, I've read both books back to back. I was just like, oh my God, this series is so great. Um, and I liked it because it had that Hunger Games element um, of, I don't love the Hunger Games because I felt like it was so cruel. Um, but it's that kind of, you know, people competing to against, I guess, the system to win something um, and along the way, overcome all these obstacles and you know support each other so I really um I really did enjoy that and then I found out at the end of the book that it's actually part of a it's a six-part series um so there's four more books coming within this world but dealing with different main characters um so even though those two Aurea and Rain are done in that same world there will be new characters. So that's pretty exciting. So yeah. now that I've read two, I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in for six, you know. Oh, my God, I was so excited because I just knew you'd love it. I just knew. But I think that it was probably too soon off the back of something like Fourth Wing and Iron Flame maybe. 
um, when you first picked it up. But gosh, I, I get so excited when my friends go, I, I really love this. I really love these characters. I was so excited for you. And um, yeah, you told me that there was more coming. I had no idea. So I'm really excited about them because I also read those two books so, so fast back to back um, very, very quickly. So they were really great. I think Carissa Broadbent is very underrated in like the book talk world in the fandom kind of sphere. I do think that there's, um, you know, there's some fast fashion type, fast food type books that I think have popped up really quickly and maybe got some influences sort of sharing them. And then, you know, people who are sort of true readers who are there for the words, um, not the hype have kind of come out saying some of these books aren't actually that great. Um, so I do think that some of the, the, the more compelling writers will start to come up through TikTok yeah. just because yeah. it's so thorough and more and more people are joining and reviewing. And, and, and I do think if we did type in hashtag Carissa Broadbent, we would land on that algorithm. So, and then it would just be all vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Again, vampires, you know, I didn't think I'd be into it, but I was very into him. Very, very. Um, so yeah, highly recommend. Great. I'm so glad you read those. Um, and also this week, what was fun or yesterday it was fun. I went and picked up my mail and I've got like my little stickers that I ordered the other week. So, um, I've got my little zaddy baby stickers for my Kindle ready to go. Save a dragon, ride Zade and Rearson. I mean, my Kindle's getting a glow up. So these are from, I put them in the, I put her in the show notes as well. All right. Are we going to talk about this incredible book? Are we? Let's do this. I'm so ready. So ready. Yeah. Yeah, we are. That's right. Let's just have a look and set the scene. So we've got 623 pages, yeah, which I think was over 150,000 words. Um, it's big. It's divided up into two parts. We're going to do part one. We 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 aren't going to we aren't going to cover the whole book. It's just not possible. So we're going to do half. <laughs> Let's the book. be honest. And it, it begins on the the. Resolution of the cliffhanger, so in, in Fourth Wing, um, as you know, if you've read it. Um, also, we should say spoilers. We are going to discuss things in depth, lots of spoilers. Hugely. Plots, twists, surprises. We're going to discuss it all. Um, Violet found out that her brother Brennan was alive, and then the book ended, and we were like, what? And now <laughs> we open, and Violet has you know, is still in that state of shock and is trying to yeah. uh, process that her brother didn't actually die and yeah. got a position of power in the rebellion and he's got a different name obviously because otherwise people back home would know um, that he was still alive um, and everyone's just well not everyone I guess Violet is just reeling from the fact that many things that she thought were true are not and um, she has to I guess re- imagine her truth and the history and what she's been told and who she can trust. So there's a, um, she is now grappling with major trust issues, which is a big theme through <laughs> the first half of the book, especially. Yep. Especially. Oh, Lieutenant Colonel. Is that what he is? Um, so yes. So it opens with that. And then there's the whole revolution. So now they know that there's Venom and that they're, Oh my God, do they? Yes, that's what happened. I was just like, oh, my God, when did they come in? Um, so they know that there's Venom and there's Wine and there's um, the 
other like the writers who are helping mm-hmm. the you know the the Basquiat people. Um, so the cadets are all here, all the cadets that were kind of sent away by Colonel Atos, which mm-hmm. is Dane's father. So then we're not sure if Dane is in on the betrayal and knowingly sent Violet to his to her p- potential death um, yep. because he did say to her, I'm going to miss you so much, um, which sounded cryptic. Uh, now she's replaying it going like, did he know? Um, I don't think she's realised, has she realised at this stage that Dane touched her and, and saw her memories? Oh, gosh. Um, I think so. Or if not, yeah, I think so. Or if not very soon into Ironfly, my gosh, this is why sometimes we need to reread um, because between the books we can kind of lose track of what happened when. But, yeah, I think so. I think there's this huge, just this huge sense of everyone in her world has again betrayed her and not trusted her and set her up for a demise. It's a constant theme in her life. Um, That's right, including Zayden. So Zayden knew all this. He knew that her brother was alive. So the person that she's trying to trust the most and who I guess she's the most invested in at at this stage, she's given him her heart. Mm. And he keeps saying, you know, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. And she's like, but every, when I, I have trusted you and so much of what you told me was a lie or you don't tell me things, you omit things. So there's this, kind of um there's a lot of tension in their relationship at this stage huge tension um and and so much grief still like she's lost liam um she's she's she had been grieving her brother but now that's like so it's like her whole world has been really again remember as well she was stabbed in the fight nearly died and her brother who's a healer healer or a mender which one is he's a mender He's a mender. Yeah. So he saves her life. Um, yeah. So pretty much, you know, everything that could go wrong or be flipped on its head or um, <laughs> be confusing or everything has been just become very tumultuous at the end of Fourth Wing and going into Iron Flame. So there is, as you said, trust issues throughout the whole entire book. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, Zayden there are reasons why Zayden has had to keep things from her, obviously. Uh, But yeah, my overall feeling throughout the book was that he was always doing that with good intent. That was always um, to protect his people and to protect her at times as well. So we've got, yeah, we've got, we start the book with Violet in this real space of fuck everyone. You've all betrayed me. You know, I don't know what is real. I don't know what's truth. I don't know up from down. And my brother is now alive and yeah, we've been sent to pretty much die. And so they have to go back to the college, right? They have to go back to Basgath and pretend. Yeah. And then they want, well, when they want to go back and tell everyone, or is that later? <laughs> That's later. later. Um, yeah. I was just going to say that I do feel like what you were saying about Zayden, I do feel like he, he's not written as morally gray. Like I think he's very driven by loyalty and protection and um, like he may not, you know, always do the right thing, but I, I feel like it's not, 
Like he doesn't seem to kill for pleasure. He doesn't, he's not vicious. It, and if he is, it's in that very protective role and not just towards Violet, but, you know, for all of the rebellion children or, you know, for people he would be like flying with. I feel like there's this, you know, kind of staunch um, kind of approach where he's like, mm. I will do right thing I will step up I will be the leader because I have to so for the good of everyone you know yeah. like because people who, who are evil are leading people over at Basquiat knowingly into a huge problem because yep. the, the the head of the college like um Colonel Atos and then there's someone above him General General Melgren. He's the General Melgren. Yes. So I mean I feel yeah. like our readers, you know, not as important. Um, but it's important to ask because I feel like we've read he's like a he does have a pivotal role. And I'm like, yeah. what's that guy's name who's like the real powerful one? And this is why I really love people. There was someone on TikTok who actually has done like a Excel spreadsheet of all of the characters, color-coded them with their, like match them with their dragon, match them with their signet because it is a lot. And especially Iron Flame, we get introduced to a lot of new characters uh, and riders and their griffins and, like, there's so many names. And so towards the end, even though I've annotated and taken some notes, you're like, who, what, which one? where what can they do so i really do appreciate um the people that do these incredible little spreadsheets which you probably should have had up before we recorded but anywho i wanted to just say as well zayden never really never i don't think from my memory never lies to violet he might there might be omission and talking around but it's again as as you said like it's always for the good of the mission it's always for the good of protecting the people that he loves he's definitely not evil at for 99.9 percent of this book <laughs> he's not evil <laughs> um but yeah that's what mm, well we will see we will see in book three in a year's time um but when they return to Basgia, they they have to pretend like they didn't have this experience at the outpost and because obviously you know melgren and then barish they all they they, and Atos, they want them gone, these marked ones and Violet. That's why they were sent away. And so they were obviously pretty surprised when they returned alive, um, minus minus a few. But they this was really hard for Violet because she's going back to see Rhiannon and Sawyer and Riddick and she had to keep things from them. So they're, again, these sort of themes of, well, you're not, telling the truth to your best friends, but you want Zayden to tell the truth to you. And and where does truth lie when people are going to be harmed? It's There's moral dilemmas in here and some, some conundrums for these characters, which, again, for me, kept the book really engaging and really compelling because I could see all sides. I could see both sides of the, you know, the coin and I could see the, the moral dilemmas that a lot of these characters were sort of working their way through whilst just trying to stay alive, literally still trying to stay alive with people trying to trying to literally pick them off daily. Um, so there's a lot that goes on in that first, you know, few chapters of them returning to Bazgiaf. What else What else are the key points in yes, that sort I, of first section? Well, 
I think that there's the dragon. So um, Andana's become a teenager, so she's growing up and she needs to go into a deep sleep to become an adult. Um, So she needs to go to sleep. So then Violet will only have one dragon. Um, And also Tarn has to make sure that Andana is protected because she'll be obviously kind of asleep and defenseless. Um, There's a new professor that joins um, Professor Grady and he does write a survival course, which is basically where like they justify kidnapping and abduction and taking the students at any point and then, you know, acting as though they're, they've been abducted by the enemy and putting them through, you know, questioning and torture and leaving them without food just so they have um, a very, I guess, realistic um, experience of what is ahead for them. You know, being a writer, it is the most treacherous, um, you know, most don't live long lives, you know, a lot of them die. So that's quite intense because it is, it's, it's so odd to think that because, you know, they've gone back to college, so they're still learning all these things. But the fact that there's this classified class where you basically know you're about to be tortured and you just can't break, that's how you pass the class is you can't full on under torture. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy. And then we meet Sloane. Yeah. So that first we will join the school and Violet stationed to greet them at the start of the parapet mm. parapet um, on conscription day. And so she, yes. And she um, is looking out for Liam's sister because she said she would, you know, take care of her so that she gets through the first year because he was going to do it. Obviously he was going to be the big brother and protect her and get her through and, he can't. Um, and um, we find out that Sloane holds Violet responsible for Liam's yeah. death because obviously Liam was guarded with the task of protecting. So that was really, you know, for me, I was like, oh, my gosh. She, yeah, she she actually has such hatred for Violet because she's misunderstanding what really went down there. So it was a bit of a shock, I guess, as a reader. You're like, oh, kind of thought that she'd just take Sloane under her wing and Sloane would be really grateful, but she wasn't. Um, but then over the book, obviously that changes. She gets to see Violet in her in action and see what she's really about, hear more about her brother and his death. And and I think that that was a really beautiful character arc um, to to play out throughout the story. And yeah, towards the end, Sloane's really tight with with Violet and her group. But Sloane was terrible fighter, wasn't she? She was horrible um, compared to her brother. <laughs> terrible. So she needed a lot of training and a lot of help. Um, but also didn't want it. So, um, yeah, I really saw in Sloan that real kind of adolescent, you know, no, I don't, I know everything and I don't need your help. And even though you're only a couple of years older than me and you're in the second year, yeah, you know nothing. Um, so it's quite amazing that Sloan even survived, really. And then there was the uh, fact that Zayden's been sent away because now he is a fourth year. Um, and so he's now been sent to an outpost and, uh, Varish, who is kind of, you know, he is the very obvious villain in this book. Like he's very unlikable. He's got a crazy dragon that's only got one eye because the other one was removed by Tarn in a fight. They're like together, they're vicious and they're mean and they're cruel, you know, sadistic. They like inflicting pain. He's always cornering her. He's a stickler for rules. He's very, 
very unlikable. So it's very easy to hate him and get this kind of like, ah, you know, um, you know that something is going to happen, but like, you know, you're ready for him to go, but it gets dragged out and, and um, along the way, he really wants to see Andana for whatever reason. Um, and they sent Zayden to the outpost. And so, they have mated dragons who we learn in fourth wing can't be apart for more than three days because it starts to become, you know, unbearable, like physically, psychologically, emotionally, because they're bonded. And so they need to be close to each other. Um, and the longer they're apart, the more intense the response is. Um, yeah. And so, you know, they, they knowingly, they put Violet and Zayden and their dragons in this position of being constantly uncomfortable you know having to make sure that they don't get stuck at the outpost or that violet doesn't somehow get punished and not be able to see not get any visitor rights or those kind of things and it's so petty it's so petty i do remember like grinding my teeth a lot whenever i was reading about Barry. like oh my god i hate him so much like what kind of person has this kind of existence like just f off like come yeah. on um, regardless of obviously because we're very protective of the main couple, but I think anytime he would say that to people and be dismissive or rude or, or like he was so sly, you know, that real cruel sly energy where you're just like, you're going to get it. The karma is coming for you in a big way, but why couldn't it be sooner? You know what I mean? He was cunning and he was using the codex you know in a really creative way to try to catch violet out and he would meet her whenever she was off to you know she was heading away for leave to go to um samsara to visit zayden he would always check her bags so they were also very aware of i think you know the weapons potentially being smuggled out you know everything he would do was kind of it still falls between like in the rules it's a bit shady but sort of still falls but i'm gonna make your life pretty much miserable i'm gonna keep you from the man you love i'm gonna keep your dragons apart i want to see andana i'm gonna punish you when she doesn't show up for training so yeah he was an absolute slime ball i think everyone cheered when he was killed um, yeah, there was no good, no good in him. I, I just, there was no part of him and I'm a bit of a bleeding heart. I can usually, you know, find something to like in a character or understand them. No, Barish, I was very, very, very happy when he died. Um, <laughs> so I feel so mean saying that it's a character. You know, what other character came back that was also very evil that we really disliked and we thought we got rid of in fourth wing, but actually he didn't actually yeah. die in fourth wing and he's come back in iron flame and it's a little bit like, what, why, why does he get to come back and not Liam? Like at least bring them both back. If you're going to give us the terrible person that Jack Barlow is, we should have some balance and also get the beautiful soul that Liam is. That's fair. That's balanced writing. That's how it should be, you know? And <laughs> come on, Rebecca. we just get Jack back, you know, but we get Jack back in a weird way. Like he's changed. He seems to have lost that spite and that kind of frenzied attack energy that he always had towards Violet, that very murderous. It's like he's almost become nullified in a way. And he says at one point, this is my second chance, almost like he's changed. 
So there is that whole thing throughout the book. Yes. Rebecca does really well at writing this. Like, is he or isn't he? And Violet always has this still this sense of nut. There's something not right here and I'm still not going to trust him. But he literally saves her life at one point in the book. I can't remember if that's part one or part two. Um, but he saves her life. So there's also, again, you're just like, oh, maybe he has changed. But then why? Why has he changed? There's still this level of mistrust always with Jack. Um, but, yeah, but how beautiful we're talking about Liam not coming back. We do get him at some point in the book. And I think it was a really beautiful way that we got him. Um, so I want to talk about that because I really, I really loved and got quite emotional with that. So when Varish um, takes Violet and tortures her horrifically for five days while Zayden is away, of course, and, and um, I mean, he does end up coming, but like he really takes, he really takes advantage of Zayden being away and that him not knowing what's happening but we have her at her at her worst, at her weakest, at her most broken. And yet, I mean, she's a strong little mother effer. Like she's incredible because she doesn't break. She doesn't tell him what he wants to hear. She doesn't, um, you know, betray her, her friends and what she knows about the revolution. She's so stoic whilst literally being beaten to death and and tortured psychologically. But then we have beautiful Liam that comes and whether it's in spirit, in energy, whether she's hallucinating, I don't know, but he's there. He's very present. He's talking to her. He's, you know, I'm here. I'm not leaving you. You've got this. Don't break. Zayden's going to come. Hold strong. Um, I just think that was such a beautiful way that Rebecca could bring him back into this story and have him still very present. How did you... How did you feel about all that? Um, I mean, I think that we always knew that there was going to be a torture scene because it was leading up to that with the whole they're going to be abducted and tortured. And I was like, well, it's definitely going to be Barish and, it, you know, it's going to be done in a really dodgy way. I do think that Zayden's going to come and save her, but, you know, anything is possible. Um, it is really interesting because when Liam appears, uh, that is one of the theories because Rebecca has said that, Violet's second signet has been explained in Iron Flame. Like if you read through it, you'll work out what it is. Um, so it, like one of the theories is that um, her second signet is that she can speak to the dead or that she can sort of bring back the essence of the dead, like not raise the dead, um, but be able to communicate with their essence. And this is a good example of that, if that's actually her signet. But it is also plausible that she would be hallucinating potentially and and be calling in the one person that she has always trusted, you know, like there hasn't been that breach of trust with Liam. She, he was always there. He was there till the very end. He died for her. Um, so if there was anyone that she could call on to be like, he is the person that I trust, that I love like a brother, that sacrificed everything for me, who wouldn't lie to me, it would be him. And the other thing that's really interesting, because there's a little bit of like backlash, um, you know, because, um, TikTok loves to, you know, uh, be very defensive of certain authors and, and you know, um, are quick to claim plagiarism or, like, stealing ideas. But, you know, a few people have said this scene is very reminiscent of a scene with Aelin and um, I can't say any more because you haven't got to that book yet. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because 
<laughs> there's something that happens with Aelin um, and someone with her and, you know, okay. people are like, oh, my, it was just a rip of that chapter. And I was just like, and it's not at all. I don't think it. it's like it's really reaching to say that that was taking the same idea, okay. um, which I think can happen when people become very, um like territorial and defensive of their authors or or the series they think are better than others like you know there's definitely lots of people that don't like this book that think it's badly written that they think it's got huge plot holes that it's way too young in the young adult you know all these kind of things and I just think we uh you and I uh I think we just don't focus on I guess the technical things as much mm. as how the book makes us feel, take us on a journey. Do we connect to the characters? You know, I think we have an episode coming up where we are going to talk about how, how much the writing, the, the quality mm. of writing is important versus having a great plot. Um, because I think that for us, there's definitely books that we've both read where we were like, Ooh, uh, that was hard to read. That was that was yeah. that was not that was not a great use of the English language. But I yep. liked the story. But it wasn't enough to keep going, or it was yep. it was a lot of skimming to get going to get to the end. Whereas this book, I feel like I was so invested in the characters. Every kind of new character that got introduced, so Sloane, and then there's Arik, who is the son of the king, but he's coming in under a different name. So only Violet works out who he is because of his eyes. Um, so cool. I love that. You know, that. and then we've got the whole, all the, like the kind of the the Griffin people, and then we we meet the Viscount and that whole collection of characters. And, yeah. and you know, there's a whole new bunch of um, other sort of riders but they ride different but the same kind of concept they're going through like a college kind of thing and you it just there there is so much to sink your emotional hooks into yeah that keeps the book rolling along where I'm not being like does that logically I'm like I'm reading a fantasy I don't care about logic logic is really <laughs> dead to me I don't care like if you give me a good sex scene some lines that are full of like, you know, soulful heart song speak, you know, some intrigue, some betrayal. I don't care if it literally makes no sense at all. I mean, I mean, with those characters, I'm there. I'm just like, yes, let's do this, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, look, we're not here to do, as we said, literary analysis of every book that we read. Um, Yes, there, as you say, there are some books where you're like, yeah, that was just a real quick, like, skim kind of got through it, read some of the cool sex scenes. Like, not going to probably stay on my bookshelf for long books, but then, yeah, like, series like The Throne of Glass, Akatar. And I do really next year want to dive into some, some authors that have been around for a lot longer and have written, you know, really, really big series that I don't think has yet become TikTok famous. I do want to get into them, but. Really, as you said, give me some give me some compelling characters with enough complexity and make me think a little bit. And yes, I don't mind a bit of foreshadowing and I don't mind, you know, that sometimes I go to, oh, what's gonna happen? But I don't 
I, I don't really want to spend too much time in that. I don't want to be like investigative journalists just like trying to figure it all out. That's not us. And that's, you know, that's why we're doing this podcast because we want to, we might want to have fun and laugh at things and, you know, send each other the, the favorite smart scenes and the awesome quotes that break our hearts apart and, you know, just have fun with it. Um, so, yes, this book for me kept me engaged. There was enough, as I said, complexity of characters. There was enough storyline. I think the plot is incredible, <laughs> like how she weaves it all together again, you know, and I guess I come from the point of I've, I've never written a book like this, so I think it's astounding that people can write this sort of stuff. Um, but, yes, so do we want to get to some of the spicy scenes and some of the, like the, the scenes that we really loved might not even be spicy. Yeah. Um, I do think before we jump into that, we should just talk about the redemption arc of Dane. Cause I think that's really important. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cause okay. that happens in part one. And because I always felt like Dane was going to get a redemption arc, just how I think the Tamlin is going to get his own redemption arc. Like I think he has got good in him and I would love to see, him mated with someone like a beautiful, you know, Faye who can balance out his kind of broken trauma that yeah. has, you know, happened from his childhood. Um, and the brutal way that a lot of those high Lord families operate, you know, it's very, you know, kill or be killed. Um, but Dane, I feel because he's, her best friend from childhood I'm just like I just don't think he will be a full betrayal I think that he is just caught up in following the rules and that's why he sort of and also his father who definitely seems a bit more evil um is such a pivotal figure like he wants to be like his dad his dad has this incredible position everyone looks up to him he wants to be a leader like Dane's a wing leader and you know that's his aspirations um, and I think that they set it up for him to have the fall, uh, because he touched Violet and then betrayed her by sharing the memories with his dad, um, so that they knew what was happening. Mm. Um, but then she, and she's like so angry at him and she's like, I do not want to speak to you. There is nothing to repair. Don't even try. And he spends a lot of the first part of the book really groveling and trying to be like I'm so sorry I, you know I want to make this better what can I do um and then he's there when she's being tortured he's actually the one that kills Varish um or sort of stabs him first um and mm. then they kind of come to this truce and then she ends up letting him see her memories again to show everybody what actually happened at the outpost so that he can share it. And because he is such a, I guess, stickler for the truth and doing the right thing kind of lends this believability to it. He's the son of Colonel Atos. It's not one of the rebellion kids saying, look at what's happening. It's one of their own, one of the sons of one of the key leadership. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think he loves Violet. You know, I think maybe he thought romantically, um, but then obviously they had that kiss and it was kind of nothing for her. Um, but I think it's definitely like, he just loves her as a friend, like a brother kind of energy, but I wouldn't be surprised if there, if it sort of becomes like a weird love triangle at some point, like a little dalliance, you know, everyone is like, no, we'll never have. I think that 
when someone is so protective and loving and they have such history and if she was very broken at one point and lost and despairing like I could imagine that that could turn into a bit of a comfort relationship for a little bit of time interesting to see if that happens no one wants it but I'm like (laughs) well one of the theories going around is that Dane is end game uh mm, and there's we got we got many books to come in this series we got three more books, so there's a lot of journeying here that could happen. And, you know, seeing what happened at the end of Iron Flame, it could go either way. And Rebecca is, you know, very tight-lipped on this. So who knows? Will Dane be endgame? Will Zayden be endgame? Will it be a threesome? Who knows, Magella? I don't know. But also there's some um, theories that if if she does end up sort of having – a relationship in between the end game of Zayden that Arik mm. is the other person that she's had a bit of like tension with. And he's also kind of equal Zayden in terms of power. And I get like, you know, Arik is a prince and Zayden is a prince. So there's like two princes. It seems Ooh. very poetic. The two princes would be fighting for her heart. Um, you know, or maybe potentially Arik is committed to helping Zayden and that in turn kind of helps Violet fall in love with him for a little bit of time or, you know, we just wouldn't be surprised if we veer off into an Arik cyber oh. romance, which I think when everyone's so young too and if, you know, if, if Zayden does go truly bad for a little bit of time or can't be reached as as a Venom, um, then he seems like he would easily step into that role. Like he has the same kind of like he's almost like the blonde version of Zayden. And interestingly, I watched this TikTok today, which was talking about book talkers or something fantasy. You know how there's that trend at the moment. It's like, we have ADHD and we don't um, ever finish a sentence or it's like, we're, you know, we're um, stay at home moms and and we always wear pajamas or something. Like it's this trend (laughs) where they sort of say like their label and sort of say the stereotypes about it. Um, and one of them was the one I saw today was uh, in like, it was a book talker doing it. And, and she was like, I'm a reader, I'm a fantasy reader or something. And there's no blonde men that I like, or, something, or no blonde men that we like. And I was like, and I was like, oh my God, like if there's a couple of blonde men that I know that you haven't met yet in Throne of Glass, which are definitely, um, worthy of being liked, but they're not. Rowan is like white. He white. is white, like ice. He's got like white hair, not blonde. Oh, um, okay. different. there's a couple of key characters that have blonde. Yes. Have you met? <laughs> I think you must be by now. I don't know. Have you met her? I can't even say. Um, have you met any of Aylan's family? Her cousin, Aiden. Yes. Okay, great. So Aiden, he's got blonde hair. And then there's um, another one coming up that has blonde hair who um, I was like, and that's what I wrote on in response to that video. I was like, no, what about, we love him. Um, But it was interesting because I was like, none of the, like the brooding, you know, sultry. We're all dark. Seven foot tall vampires, fae, magic holders shadow wielders they're all dark 
that hair. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of blonde (laughs) characters. Um, I love this tangent. Interesting. What is blonde hair? I mean, we should definitely do some kind of podcast talking about, you know, hair and the descriptions of the hair and would we like the character? Like, would you like Kale as much if he had, like, wavy blonde hair, you know? Because I feel like it makes him seem less stern and less, like, how could he be the the leader of the guard if he's, like, you know, blonde ringlets. It just doesn't work. I think the blonde doesn't give you enough um, gravitas. Like yeah, it's okay. Not, it's not only enough. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. I think we're well, I would, we should put that as Yeah, like who, what blonde character do you love? Like tell us, like who are we missing? You know, <laughs> just looking at some of the books. All right. And I think that a... even in all those books, there's no blondes. Like in One I... Dark Window, Two Twisted Crown, and the like. Rain has red hair. Um, but I mean, if we jump, if we jump genres like the Marvel movies, I mean, Thor is blonde and absolutely hot as so, and long hair, long blonde hair. <laughs> It's so, not unhinged enough. The world <laughs> is not unhinged enough. He's way too balanced, you know. He's just, he's not, you know, sort of dangerously territorial. He never goes feral. No, he's quite you know, funny. There's no hissing, funny. you know. Yeah, okay. He's like, he's like the daddy. He's like dad. He's like dad energy. Uh, well, you know, the last movie I went to see with my boys, because they drag me along to Marvel movies now, I was happy to go because I knew that Thor was naked in that one. So I went to that movie very, I was very excited about that scene and it did not disappoint. Um, anyway, side tangent, hair colour done, pole at some point going up. Okay. So (laughs) let's talk about Zayden though. Let's talk about How, Wait, we just have to talk about one last character okay. that got introduced that is pivotal in book one that we haven't discussed, and that's Catriona oh. because she does play a big part. She okay. is the daughter of the Viscount um, and she is a griffin rider and her mm-hmm. older sister is, you know, similar to Mira, has that very, you know, kind of um, she's a fighter, she's very ruthless and efficient, but um, gets things done and then her sister is you know kind of very pretty but also seems to be very like sulky and has a bad attitude and um, gives lots of snipey snide remarks and then we find out that she's Zayden's ex and that they were betrothed by their two fathers so Zayden's dad and and the Viscount made a deal and they were going to unite those two kingdoms or two areas um provinces what were they called um and it was you know a marriage of convenience but they did date for a year um and Zayden was like I I never loved her it just didn't work um and she is very bitter about the breakup but not because and we find out not because she yearns for Zayden as a man as a person you know she's not missing him but she really wants the power that that unified crown would give them 
um, would give her specifically. Mm. So her and Violet, I just read like this little summary, which was like, um, Zayden takes Violet with him when he goes to bring more illegal weapons to the Griffins. They meet with Serena, who was there in the last book, and her sister Catriona, who turns out to be Zayden's ex. We hate her. <laughs> just like that really just sums it up. I'm just like, yep, that's exactly how I feel. You know, like, and the line for this, which I think is like where we're going to go after this with our favorite scenes, but it's like at Samsara, it's chaos. But both Mira and Zayden are alive. Zayden was healed by Amanda. Violet and Zayden then have sex in the shower. I mean, yes. you know, I was just like, I feel like it's so matter of fact and glosses over <laughs> the fact that it's just this super hot scene. And it's literally the only spice in the first part of the book. Oh, my God. What a scene. I did reread that a few times. That was hot as. I mean, <laughs> Violet was hot, literally burning, <laughs> and that's why he put her in the shower. But oh wow, yeah, that was that was good. That got quite a few little pink markers in my book here. Uh, a favorite, a favorite scene, and I thought that that would be like the level of spice. You know, that'd be the top level of spice we'd hit in this book. But of course, we have the throne scene later on as well. So Rebecca just really helps the ante. <laughs> but yes, the shower scene. as well. That that, that scene was kind of hits a bit harder because we've come off the back of fourth wing, which, you know, in the second half of the book is where they, you know, have some really hot sex because they've, you know, finally got together and she's acknowledged that she actually is really into him and, you know, they've made the moves and there's hot sex happening everywhere with, you know, in, in, with the, in their bedroom, with the chest of drawers and all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of the first half of this book, you know, Violet is feeling betrayed and she's, angry at Zayden and she's annoyed and she's kind of constantly fighting these feelings of oh my god I'm so attracted to him and I'm so in love with him but oh my god he he doesn't tell me anything and he makes me you know have to try and get every like bit of truth out of him by using the exact right wording otherwise he won't tell me um and so I think that that really means that there's this like sort of angry frustrated build up to that sex scene because it's like yeah they they obviously still with each other, but there's, you know, she's also just been injured. She's discovered her brother, you know, there's torture happening at the school. Zayden's been sent away. Their dragons are grumpy and Anna's in a sleep, you know, it's just yeah. a lot. And she doesn't even have that comfort and release of, you know, both being able to sleep with him in his room for the sort of that, you know, oxytocin kind of effect. And she doesn't get to have the orgasms because she's on principle being like, no, I will only sleep with someone that I trust and who shares things with me um, until. And look, you know, know, obviously she's like, I really love that. I changed my mind. Absolutely. Like totally jealous the whole way through, you know, jealous thinking about him maybe pulling someone else into his room. Um, Totally wanting him, still the most beautiful man alive, and yet this internal war of, but I shouldn't. And, I mean, we all just love a fuck it moment in these books, don't we, where they're just, it's just like, come on, you two. You both want it. Just do it. And they do. The shower scene is a real, like, yes. And it delivered and it was fabulous. Um, And also, you know, but the thing is she couldn't even have space because she still had to pretend, like, she had to still actually go and see him as well so they're, dragons could do the their thing as well 
Um, but there was still a lot of pretending like, you know, and having to work with him and still really believing in his mission and, ah, yeah, there's a lot going on for these 20 year olds, 20, 23 year olds. It's crazy. Um, but what I really, really love is that he throughout the book, he just kept saying, but you do love me and we will be together. And he had this real solid belief in that and that we are destined to be together and we are fated and mated and all the things that happen in these fantasy books where she was this chaotic feminine all over the place really confused he he stayed quite solid like you love me and i'll get i'll get those words back from you at some point and we'll be together so that was really hot and and there were so many little lines that i just loved around that where he just was like no you know my room is has got wards on it no one can hear what goes on in there but it only allows you and me in, Violet. So don't be thinking that there's someone else. Don't be jealous about Cat. Don't be because Cat. Oh my gosh! Like Cat on the sparring mat, the stuff she was saying to Violet. Oh, they know that's part two. But like, there were so many moments where yeah. it drove her wild, and and you know her her energy was sparking up inside of her, literally that electricity and that lightning. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I remember messaging you like really early in the book going, how is Zayden hotter in this book? How is he becoming even hotter? How is that possible? Um, you know, and just even, you know, after the torture, his tenderness, like, you know, I don't know where I can touch you, but I want to care for you. And and really um, not just physically protecting her, but being very aware of her emotional state, her physical state, her psychological state, what was going on with her mum? I mean, we haven't even talked about that, but, you know, when her mum came after the torture, that was a really huge scene that I loved when her mum was explaining, like, you, I would do anything to protect my kids and I've done all of this to protect my kids. Um, and Violet really trying to grapple with that because, you know, the children of the marked, oh, sorry, the marked ones, the children of the revolution, like, you know, we didn't care about those children and you didn't care about their, you know, their parents. Um, oh, so much. We could talk for another six hours, but what were some of your key scenes or lines or things that you really, really loved in part one? I really want to know. Um, I think that what I loved was, I mean, I did, I do remember, I think I sent you a little video after you'd finished it going, which was like a, a bit of a sort of meme on how annoying in a way Violet and Zayden were being because they just kept bickering and how, you know, it's like I sent you that little video being you know, like, just get over each other already. Um, so, I mean, I do feel like sometimes I'm not a fan of the slow burn. I feel like that was a different version of the slow burn because we already knew they got together. So it's like not the original slow burn, but it's like, a secondary level slow burn, which is even more frustrating because you've already experienced what happens at the end of a slow burn with them. Um, I guess my the scene that stood out the most for me was around the torture scene because Liam came back um, and it just was so nice to see him again, but also I, to have, you know, at the end of Varish, um, and Zayden kind of appeared right after Dane. So they were both there for her. Um, you know, I feel like that was a really big scene for me. Mm. Um, like the only one that really stands out. I feel like there were so many moments in that 
first part of the book, which were lots of seeding, lots of this is this person's this character's coming in, this is happening, there's gonna to be torture, you've got to learn these things, the people being picked off. Um, you know, I feel like and it always happens with the the romantic books, is I do feel like it goes in that kind of like um like accelerated curve. It's like the start is like dun, 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 and then it's like the last two hundred pages you're like, ah um, or the other way where you're dropped off a cliff. Um, so I do feel like part two felt um, like I was doing a lot of shallow breathing in part two, like, oh, my God, what's happening? Like, oh, you know, there's this, there was many more fights. You know, there was bigger sex scenes. There was, you know, like the the second-hand jealousy and f- fury I was feeling at Cat for Violet, you know, the sadness about Zayden. Because um, I do feel like maybe the reason why we like him even more in this is that he's written in a way that is um, he's shouldering the bur- the burden for her. Mm. So I think that it's become like he's really stepping up into that kind of king energy of like I will do it, I will do whatever is necessary, I I will hold this weight, I, I will withhold secrets even though it hurts us. Because in the end, it's what is needed mm. for to make Violet safe or to make Violet happy or to, you know, whatever. So I feel like he's kind of got this world-weary energy where it's like he's like, whatever is happening, I will take it. I will take it for her. Um, which is that, you know, same territorial fey energy of like, you look at my woman and I will kill you. It's that kind of like yeah. whatever she go through like I will go through it more or I will do more to so that she doesn't have to carry the weight of the world on her own shoulders like I will carry that world for her and even if it crushes my spine and you know like breaks me down I will do it for her so I feel like that's what makes him so appealing like written as this like he's not an arrogant cocky hero in this especially in the first part you know I feel like he's He's like all these, I've just had to make tough choices, hard choices, sad choices, and I and I will keep doing it because I've given my word. There's something really sexy about the word. You know, when you're like, the I gave word, my word. And also just how, like I'm on page 118, he, just how he even wouldn't have sex with her whilst she he knew she was broken and he knew that she didn't trust him. Um. You know, like any set. Oh my god, I love. It. Oh my god, I love this paragraph. <laughs> you have no idea how badly I want to peel these pants off your amazing ass and f you until you're hoarse from screaming my name, so limp from orgasms that you can't fathom leaving my bed ever again, and every tree around here goes up in flames from lightning strike. Um, until you remember exactly how good we are together. And she says, I never forgot. And he says, I'm not talking about physically. And he already like he he continually senses that she's just not ready. And, you know, I want you more than my next breath, but I can't fuck you into looking at me like you used to. I refuse to use sex as a tool to get you back. I think that's really sexy. Like there's that primal need. I want you, my God, and I would, I want you so bad. And I can sense that your body wants me too, but your heart isn't ready. Your mind's not ready. So that for me is incredibly attractive in a man and would just want me to that would just make me want him even more. So. 
Which that was a fake We're like, yes, whatever you've got, said, and I will give. You can have it. I'm giving it to you. You take it off. Oh, some great scenes for me, the torture scene, of course, as well. Jack coming back. That was a huge, like what the F moment and where's this going to go? Um, when he saves her life, I was like, again, like, so there was so much in that first part that drew me back in to the story after reading fourth wing a few weeks before that, um, created some, some new characters and some new character arcs. We got that beautiful new revelation about Dane and you're right like seeing Dane and Zayden with her after the torture I was like okay this is going to be good like how this is going to develop is going to be really interesting and I'm really glad that Dane had redeemed himself because I felt like that would happen I felt like he would he would join them and 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 try to do the right thing so part one was great (laughs) really really great um but let's yeah. let's have a think about a favourite line that you had or I can pull one out if needed. Um, obviously it's going to be from Iron Flame so people don't need to guess, but were there any that just jumped out at you from part one? Um, I, I've got a line um, yeah. from Iron Flame. Um, Go for it. And it's from our favourite man. Um and he says, you want to know something true, something real? I love you. I'm in love with you. I have been since the night the snow fell in your hair and you kissed me for the first time. I'm grateful my life is tied to yours because it means I won't have to face a day without you in it. My heart only beats as long as yours does. And when you die, I'll meet Malik at your side. It's a damn good thing that you love me too because you're stuck with me in this life and every other that could possibly follow. <sighs> Cheeky, cheeky. Yeah, with this, I feel like, you know, we try and pick relevant quotes, but, I mean, it's really the, so the declarations uh, only between the main characters. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, love it. Well, I hope that that's given our listeners a bit of, uh, I don't know, just some fun kind of reminiscing over their own read of this book. Um, we are going to come back with part two and go deeper into that as well. So apart from that, I don't know if you've got anything else to wrap it up or anything else you want to share before we hit our next episode? No, I think so. I mean, I've got lots of books that I'm ready to dive into and I'm just finalising the Christmas list of suggested Christmas ideas. Um, but other than awesome. that, um, I think uh, I'm just going to be ready for the next episode, which we're going to record very soon. Awesome. Part two, part two where it gets real. Gets very real. Stay tuned and you can also go back and listen to episode nine and ten, which is our recaps of the fourth wing as well. Because after we do part two of this, we've got a long wait. A long wait for book three. So go back, re-listen, re-read, have an awesome week of reading, and we'll hear you in the next episode. See you later. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you felt like you were eavesdropping on a conversation that you have been dying to have with someone to discuss all the tiny details and possible plot twists of the books that you've recently read. Perhaps you don't have someone to chat to after you finish one of those epic books, so please give the show a follow and we would be honoured to be your book-obsessed friends. But mostly, though, we hope it was fun, it gave you a giggle, it made you gasp or encouraged you to pick up a different author. Please share it with someone who you think would also love it And drop us a review, letting us know what you loved and what you want to hear from us in the future. We will be back with another episode soon. Happy reading.